kid! Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Handsome Homebuyer Podcast. I'm Charles, aka the Handsome Homebuyer, twin brother of Captain Permit. Speaking of permits, uh, I heard something the last couple of days that's a little bit disturbing. All investors out there, even realtors, certain townships, and we're we're not going to name any names, any townships, they're actually, I have, I have on good knowledge that people are looking through the MLS listings and any houses that have been renovated without permits. Don't be surprised if you end up getting a letter or a stop work order saying that you have to maintain those permits. What does that mean? That means you need the captain. Call us, 516-513-8838. If you're buying a house, selling a house, if you're an attorney, a realtor, if you're a mortgage broker, anybody, you need us. On the flip side, if you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, has six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating past the basement steps, I'm your guy. I want to buy it. 516-777-SOLD. All right. Today's guest, super excited about. He's an absolute savage in Suffolk County. Actually, both counties. The sales giant, Brian Carp from Remax, right? Fellow South Shore, Nassau County, born and bred. Sold 141 houses in 2017, which I blows my mind. We're about to find out exactly how he did it. Welcome, my man. Good morning, handsome. Good to see you. You too, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm elated to be here. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming down. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming down. All right, where do I want to start with this? Um, I guess I kind of want to start from the beginning. Okay. I'm always curious to know, and I think the the people out there also are, is like where the progression of you know what you what you went through and kind of like how you got to real estate. Um, first and foremost. I heard, this is awesome, he's going to tell you about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Anybody who knows me knows that Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. As we're like, as we're talking off air, he's like, oh yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. I'm like, are you, are you messing with me right now? Have you, have you heard my story? And it's interesting to see how I think a lot of successful people will identify. Everybody kind of, we, we're all kind of the same in a certain, in a certain way, in a, in a lot of ways. So again, so, I, I want to know how, how you found real estate and, and, and how you came up. Sure, started. I'll give you the origin story, almost, like the, the first comic book, <laughs> right? Is that what you want, the first comic book? So first comic book is, uh, I grew up very close to you, which we're just finding out now. Uh, I grew up in Belmore, Nassau County, was never the school person. So wasn't a bad kid in school, but literally, I just had no no attention span, no interest in school. Um, I only was blessed enough to go to college because I was gifted in athletics. So I got a full scholarship to play football right. at Stony Brook University which was huge. Um, so I had this opportunity. My father, who was a union electrician, was like, you know, um, you should probably get a trade so you can go out there and feed your family. So half of my uh, high school career, I went to a BOCES. And why Why was that? Why were you set up that way from, from early from on? From get-go, because my lot in life was not to be sitting right here. Like, I was going to be in a great, great job, great benefits. was probably to be a union construction worker. Yeah. Uh, my father was, so half the day of high school, I went to a BOCES and I learned to trade. Okay. I learned electrical. Uh, and then Stony Brook came to me and I was all Long Island football player, all wow. uh, Long Island lacrosse, basketball. So I was an incredible athlete. Oh, shit. Um, and they offered me a scholarship to play football at Stony Brook. So my father and mother was like, listen, you can't turn this down. You can't let this go. So I ended up going to Stony Brook University and uh, I played football there. I graduated as a two-time All-American. I graduated 2005 top of the real estate market. Yeah. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do in my life. And a buddy of mine gave me this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Bam! That's it. 
Robert Kiyosaki. I probably sold hundred. <laughs> I probably sold hundreds of thousands of books from. I should have an Amazon account and that I could link people to. But literally, um, I read the book and it changed my life. It was the first book that I ever read cover to cover. Okay. And after reading wow. the book, I ran out and I bought a two-family house. Wow. I bought a two-family house back in the day when it was a liar loans. So I was a I was a bartender. And Anybody a, with a pulse or yeah. even, yeah. I was a bartender. I owned a piece of a bar. And I said, hey, I made 200 grand a year. And they gave me this great loan. And at that time, my wife today was my girlfriend. So she was living upstairs giving me $500 a month. Okay. I rented out the entire downstairs for two grand. And literally my mortgage payment, wait for it, was $2,100 a month. Yeah. So I'm living there making $400 a month. And I had that aha moment. And I said, this is it. This is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to start buying rental houses. Yeah, no, that's all. It, it's interesting. Offline, we were having the conversation. Like, people always come up to me and they're like, oh, I want to flip houses. I want to do what you do. I want to make all this money. I'm like, listen, I flip houses to buy rentals. So the vehicle to get the money or raise the money to get the passive income doesn't really matter. You could sell widgets, whatever it is, chapstick. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Something on Amazon. You just need to get the money to get the passive income to replace your income to, to set up your security. Well, because I think what we what I found after speaking to you a few minutes offline is we both had the same why, we both had the same goal. It's that generational wealth. Yeah. And that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. You know, but just to, so you know my mindset, I was the kid where my friends would go to the bat the in high school and middle school, they would go to play racquetball and I was knocking on neighbors' doors convincing them to let me rake leaves. Yeah. Like I was always that hustler. You were a hustler from day one. And then once I started getting a bunch of people on the same block, I would hire my friends to do the jobs for 25 and charge 50. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. I, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I'll tell you a story. When I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade, I got a okay. job working at a deli. Okay. It was called Causeway Deli. Wait, Wantor? In Wantor. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, I lived down the block from that Absolutely. Basically. Oh, my God. How old were you when you started working? I was, I was, even before there was working papers, anything, yeah. sixth, seventh grade, I was working. Why do you think that is? Just curious. Was that something that was kind of instilled in you growing up? Your father was, was a hard worker? He was a hard worker. He was. He, he woke up at 5 a.m., went into Manhattan, always sat on the train going yeah. into Manhattan. It was, it was just in my DNA to work. Okay. And I have two little boys now, five and six, and I, I may not be like the, the rah-rah cheerleader or the rah-rah coach. You better believe they see daddy every single morning up at 4 a.m. They see daddy every single seven days a week. Dad puts a suit on and works. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I'm instilling with them the same work ethic that my mother and father taught me. Uh, so Causeway, I can't believe you know Causeway Deli. Yeah, man. So uh, eighth, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. I got a job at Causeway Deli. I remember getting the job. I saw a help wanted sign in the front of it. Yeah. So I walked in there and, you know, I, I remember I had a white t-shirt on and a pair of lacrosse shorts. I said, here, I'm here to apply for the job. Some guy behind the counter says, well, the owner's in the basement. So I remember walking around, walking all the way down to the basement, and the owner's down there. I sit in the seat. He's like, what job are you applying for? I said, deli clerk. Mm -hmm. Now, mind this handsome. I've never worked at a deli in my life before. Yeah. But my brother used to work at a deli. Okay. So I kind of knew the lingo. You know, I knew the slicing machine and the porous head. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, his name was Dennis. And, uh, oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if that was Old guy, too, like us, handsome. Yep. And he says, great, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm a deli clerk. He says, all right, fabulous. You know, have you been doing this before? I said, absolutely. What do you want to make? And I, my brother I knew was making like $8,000 an hour. So I was like, $10,000 an hour. He's like, you're hired. So I'm like, holy macaroni, I just got a job, $2 more than my older brother. Mm -hmm. uh, and you start the next week. So I ended up learning the whole deli business. But um, <laughs> I used to work the morning shift. So the 5 a.m. shift, because I like all my friends were still sleeping. I like to put a full eight hours in. By 2 o'clock, they were going to the beach, and I was already done with a full day of work. Mm -hmm. 
So it was a, a normal morning shift on a cold Wednesday, I believe, in like, I don't know, February or March. We were probably off on some break. And uh, I get the fry. I got the uh, grill going. I got eggs all on the grill. I got the side of bacon on the side sizzling. A few people are coming in. I got the coffee making. And the phone rings. Phone rings. And I say, Causeway Deli. And this woman says, yeah, I'm looking for Causeway Catering. And I say to the woman, I'm like, I'm sorry, miss. This is Causeway Deli. She's like, no, no, I'm looking for Causeway Del- uh, Catering. I said, Hold on one second. I put her on hold. I picked the phone back up. I said, hi, this is uh, Seth from Causeway uh, Catering. How can I help you? Shut up. And she's like, well, I'm looking to have a party. I said, fabulous. What kind of party? Well, I need I need a bartender. Great. What's the date? She gives me the date. I write it down. And I said, and what are you looking to spend? She said, I'm looking to spend about $150. I said, fabulous. What's the date? I take the date. What's the time? Perfect. I said, I'm going to have one of my guys there. I hang up the phone. The next day, I call my buddy, Sean. And I say, Sean, you know, how would you like to be a bartender? He says, awesome. He's like, how much money? I said, a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. He says, fabulous. So I sent my buddy Sean there for a hundred. He picked up 150 and gave me 50. And that was the first time I really like learned leverage. Yeah. And that's where, that's when, when I look back on my life, that's how I know that I'm a born bred entrepreneur. And that, uh, so that's kind of how it all got started. Wow. That's free. That's crazy. I must, I must've seen you in there. There's, there's no, oh, question there's, no way you did. there's no question in mind though. And I took it because I always like to eat. So it was a cheap way it's an to added bonus. Those of you will we'll post a picture for the ladies later, and we're gonna get into this point in a minute. So Brian and I, I guess we could sort of be brothers, only he's like six inches taller and substantially more jacked than I am. Which brings me to my next question of three forty five in the morning you get up and go to the gym. Three forty five in the morning. Every day. Every day. It's just like it's it's just clockwork. It's it's repetition and it's a lot of the football background where uh, it's, it's Did you used to get up at your entire life, basically, from the time you were working out, what, 16, 17, you've gotten up that early? And no, it's just progressively gotten earlier and earlier and earlier because okay. I'm trying to capture more time in the day. That's okay. really what it is. I'm just trying to add more hours. We all Handsome, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, yeah. right? So how do we spend those hours? I got to make make sure they're super productive. Yeah. And the earlier I get up, I get a jump on everybody. You know, is there really – how many other real estate agents, real estate brokers, cash buyers, investors that are waking up at 345 in the morning? Uh, they're not. They're not. So – I'm getting the jump on everybody. I need every second of the day to be as productive as possible. I need every second of the day. But you're up at 3.45, straight to the gym. No, no, gyms don't even open up till 5 a.m. Okay. So up at 3.45, I'm in my office. I'm in my office. I got a little office in the house. Um, Got my cup of coffee, black coffee. Don't mix sugar, nothing in there. Uh, I used to have um, uh, a mug that my mom bought me that said future millionaire. Okay. I used to drink that every single day. Some, it broke which could be symbols of something. And now I have a hustler mug. Same mug every single morning. What you'll notice about me once we start to become uh, better friends is that if the mafia wanted to kill Brian Carp, it'd be very easy. I am so <laughs> The only thing they didn't know that I was going to come to the handsome uh, podcast, but literally I work out Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays. There's no, doesn't matter, rain, shine, sickness, okay. death. Brian Carp is working out those days. Do you have a very, I mean, to get up a little topic, do you have a very strict diet? Very strict diet. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe, are you into intermittent fasting? Yeah, I'm huge into it. As now. soon as you said black coffee, I'm like, this dude's all about intermittent fasting. I, but I, I, I'm always, I'm always, listen, my body's the chemistry set. Okay. I, I'm, I look at myself as a pro athlete. Okay. In real estate. So I need to be at peak performance on everything. Yeah. If I'm going to perform the way I'm performing, I got to be in peak, peak shape for everything. So I've been intermittent fasting for about a year now, which I love. I just need a different challenge. Okay. So to me, I, I like to sacri- I like to put myself in a position of um, challenging it. Yeah. So to me, fasting was a challenge. Interesting. No, I, I, I 
I've tried every kind of like I've I've tried that recently. I tried to be a vegan, which lasted for like 19 days. Yeah. That didn't work. I think mostly because it's unless you're preparing your food and like I don't I don't have time to do anything. So unless you're shopping and preparing your food, you don't you don't have time to, to do that. If you're in Manhattan, every corner has a vegan spot. Right here you can't. So that didn't work. But handsome, we're, we're preparing it. It's just it's just being prepared for the day. Yeah. So if you. Are, you don't have time to do the food, then let's get up an extra half an hour early and prepare the food. Or let's hire someone to prepare. Now the food I feel for like you. now I feel like I'm lazy. No, no it's not lazy. <laughs> I just want you to be at peak performance, and I feel like your diet and your health and uh, is a big piece of it. Now you Listen, have to. The, the gym, and I put this out on Instagram a few weeks ago. The the gym is not a physical activity. Yeah. The gym is a mental, mental activity. activity. Yes. Everything we do is mental. Yes. So I gotta have my mental game right, and that's why the gym is a big piece of it. Because I feel good, I feel healthy, I feel good about myself after I get my workout in. No, and that brings me to the point. This is kind of like every, every time I do a podcast, I, every person brings a bunch of things to the table. But there's one specific thing that I feel like they like accelerate at that I really want to drive home for people. For you, in my opinion, it's the competitive mindset. So the mindset, people like, even before I was talking over a realtor friend of mine, Randy, and I'm like, oh, he's, he sold 141 houses. He looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you do that? I'm like... Everybody that's like that successful has this kind of certain mindset, the way they see the world, which is uniquely different than 99.9% of the people there. And the game that you're playing, we were talking before, you're, you're kind of always playing with yourself. Like I'm always playing with myself. It's not about anybody else. It's about how can I push myself to the next level. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, I mean, kind of give me your your take on just the competitive mindset in general, because it sounded like it started, you were born with it, basically. I was born with it, and athletics was a way for me to put it out there. Okay. So once athletic, once the window shut, and I could no longer do athletics anymore. You have to channel that into something I have to channel else. Positive. Yes. I got to channel something positive. Yes. Listen, if all of this energy and, and craziness isn't put into a positive and manifest into a positive thing, yeah. it, I'd be all over the place. I'm yeah. over the top with everything I do. So thank yes. God that I'm putting it towards a positive thing because if I didn't, I would be in a lot of trouble. I'm exactly the same way. Like I, um, I don't drink. I've never been drunk. Mm-hmm. I've never done any drugs. Don't smoke nothing. And people are always like, well, the first thing they say to me when they find out that I don't drink, they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. Are you recovering? Yeah. I'm like, why do I, why do I have to be re- recovering? Like, and then I'm like, listen, this is really. Um, I tell them the story I told you before about the Ritalin, yeah. and that like impacted me so much that I never wanted to put anything in my body that was foreign. But I'm like, I have an addictive personality. Yeah. I recognize that. So if I didn't put that into the gym or work or something positive, I would self-destruct. See, I'm. I think what it was, and it goes back to the football. And you're great. You're you know you're a great host to pick it up. Is that I, I, I'm very coachable. So I came into high school as an average athlete, mm. little chubby, and then uh, freshman year because where we grew up, handsome, it's ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Yeah. So freshman year for football, uh, they had summer weightlifting. So, uh, and I just sold my coach's house, which was like a great, like, uh, come, come, he hired me to sell his house, which was great. Uh, thanks coach. So basically it, summer weightlifting was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. Okay. And I went to the first one and I was a freshman and I was skinny. I was there with all the seniors. These guys are jacked up. And the coach said, everyone, you got to come weightlifting Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we're running Tuesday, Thursday. So Brian Carp just took it that five days a week. I had a job. I had to be there. So that first summer, I didn't miss one weightlifting. I didn't miss one running. And they kept these little stickers on the board. They were like helmets, like pirates, because we were the Met and Pirates. By the end of it, I was like double every single senior, every single other player. But I didn't think anything was weird by it. I just thought that, like, I didn't hear that you can come when you want to come. I just heard, you have to be there. Yeah. And then long story short with that is they moved me up as a freshman 
to varsity. And I was playing as a as a freshman, getting my ass handed to me. But they moved me up. He never even saw me step on the football field. He just saw my work ethic. Yeah. Like, I guess the analogy I could say is, and it's good there isn't two treadmills out here. Because if me and you went on a treadmill together, I will die before I get off that treadmill. You stole that from Will Smith because I stole it from Will I stole Smith. it from him all day. But it was, <laughs> the be- it was the best analogy. Amazing thing. So I always say that with, every, with any other real estate agent and when other people are trying to, to hire me, I said, there's no one who's going to outwork me. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I don't – I go right into telling people, <laughs> I can't tell you what your house is going to sell for. I might have sold the most houses in Suffolk County yeah. and maybe Long Island. I can't tell you what it's going to sell for. I can tell you I'm the best marketer. I'm the best salesman. I'm the hardest worker. I'm the most honest person you'll ever meet. I said, and that's all I can guarantee you. But my work ethic, and I said, yeah, 100% stole from him. But I yeah. love that line. It, it, people always ask me, for you you don't know, I'll, I'll touch on it really quickly. So Will Smith has a, I watch all these like YouTube uh, inspirational videos, and I, I assume you do the same. We've talked about it before. So Will Smith has this video where... Like, listen, Will, you're like a triple threat. You do this, you do that. You've made hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever it is. You know, what is it about you? And he's like, listen, when I, if I'm honest with myself, there's nothing uniquely special or different about me. He's like, the difference is I, I'm not afraid to die on a treadmill. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's very simple. If you and I get on a treadmill together, either you're going to get off first or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. And I say that in most of my talks when I teach continuing ed because that that's what it is. Like, you and I are not... We're, we're not we're not special, particularly gifted. We're not reinventing the wheel. People have been selling real estate, flipping houses forever. Yeah. The difference is, like, we work seven days a week. When when people are sleeping, we're working. You're up at 345 working when everybody else is sleeping, my, myself included. I, I, I can't do the 345. Is that what it's fine? It's just the way my schedule works. It just it works for me. No, and, I give you I give you a tremendous amount of credit. progressively earlier and earlier and earlier. I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be that guy. But I, I guess I end up shifting. I go to sleep at 1 in the morning. Yeah. I wake up at six, but it's just what I learned when I was a lot of discipline. What I learned when I was younger is that like uh, that I would never be happy with hitting the snooze button. So my goal is no alarm clock needed. Like I want to get up before the alarm clock. What is your? I'm always interested to know about like what is your what is your why? What is like the under like the underlying thing that lights the fire that drives you to do this stuff? Because you're you're an intense dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, it's it's so simple. And I and I think that's why I've been so successful in real estate. And my why is out there. I'm never I'm never hiding my why. My why is to build generational wealth for me and my family through rental real estate. Okay. A hundred percent. That's out there. Is there a specific reason why? Like, is it things that you saw? Is it the way that you grew up? Like, I'm always, I'm in the same boat with you, and sometimes I try to even dissect my own, mm-hmm. like, why I do the same thing. I'm always curious to know, like, do you know kind of why you want to so do that? I, I think where, where it came from was when I graduated from Stony Brook, uh, I found out that uh, I was sick and I had cancer. So my senior year, I missed my last game because I had cancer. Wow. So I'll tell you the story really quick, and then I think we'll get you to my why. Okay. But basically, I, w- I was a senior. It was one of the last football games. Um, and I said to the trainer, I said, I have pain in my groin. And she says, Brian, go hit the ice bath. So I hit the ice bath for two or three days. And I say to her, I said, Kathy, I still have pain in my groin. She's like, all right, go up to the hospital. So I go up to the hospital. Really, really scary. I was 18 years old. And this is before we really had cell phones. We might have, like, flip phones. So I was with my beautiful wife, Jessica, uh, at that time. But we were just boyfriend and girlfriend. So I called her, I said, I'm going to go up to the hospital. And then I was at the hospital probably for eight hours. Okay. They had me, I'm in an emergency room. They're doing all these scans. You know something's wrong when the doctor leaves, comes back and brings another doctor. Oh, that shit. doctor leaves, comes back and brings another doctor. And I'm and I'm this guy who's 275 pounds, all-American football player, thinks my things don't you know smell. Like I, I, I head was as big as the room. And I started, was like, hey, who, who's helping me in here? 
You know, I walked down the hallway. It was maybe it was forty minutes, but it felt like three hours where they kept coming in, coming out. And I, and I and to me, I always had the mindset that nothing will ever go wrong for me. Like I, uh, I'm just perfect. Interesting. Um, and we could dissect that at another date and time. So I go in and out of the room. They finally put me in this side room, and they um, a doctor came in and he said, "Listen, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have a tumor." Um, he's like, you have a tumor. Uh, I had testicular cancer. Wow. So before I, at 18, at 18. Wow. Uh, maybe it was more like 20, right? Well, my senior year. Okay. So 20, somewhere in that yeah. 19, 20 range. So. Wow. What goes through your mind at that moment? Goes through my mind is this is like, to me, it was like, I, I uh, broke my leg. I was like, oh, this is a pain in the ass. I got it. So I said, what's next? They're like, well, 24 hours, I'm on a table getting sliced open. They're removing the tumor. Wow. Um, to me, I, I guess it was naive and, and maybe stupidity. But I was like, this is just an annoyance. Like, let's get this done. Let's so get I can this move done on. so I can move on with my life because I'm always like, what's wow. next? What's next? What's next? So, long story short, they bring me into Manhattan, Memorial Stone Kettering, chop me, wow. remove the tumor. Brian, we think it spread into your stomach. What? So now I'm doing four rounds of chemo. What? Yeah, four rounds of chemo, um, which really literally put me at like the Walking Dead. I would love to see a picture uh, of the end of the fourth round of chemo. What all- stage was the cancer? It was a good stage. If you're going to get a cancer, you want testicular cancer. It's one of the best cancers to get. What the? Um, but it was one of the beginning stages because I was so young. They're like, let's go aggressive with this. And thank God I've been uh, totally cancer-free for over 15 years now. Wow. Which is unbelievable. So before I knew it, they're throwing me through this. I'm spinning around in circles. They're removing. They remove it. I just spun around the circle. <laughs> if, there was, if there was a video in here, <laughs> we should have this on YouTube. Um and before I knew it, they had me walking through, and then I did four rounds of chemo, which okay. anyone who's done chemo before, you know, literally, it's like walking dead. They pump you with all these chemicals and stuff like that. And I used to do a two-week cycle. So I would have one week of chemo and one week off, and I would almost feel dirty by the end of the, like the, the first week. By that Friday, I remember taking a lot of showers because I felt like yucky inside because the chemo like rips you. It's like basically poison, is it? Poison. It's yeah. poison. And then by the next week, by the next Monday, I would, I'd be like ripping myself out of bed into the gym just because I needed to get back working out. So how long were the treatments for? Treatments, I did four rounds of chemo, a week on, two weeks off, a week on, two weeks off. Oh, man. So we did that. And I didn't miss I didn't miss college. I didn't drop out of college. I finished college. Wow. Like, nothing stops. Like, just because there's outside things going on, I can't let the like the, the laser focus stop. I can't slow down. You know, did it ever like again goes back to the mindset? Like, were you ever negative at any point? Like the average person's gonna be like, "Holy shit, I'm gonna die! I might die! Yeah. What was me?" Boom, boom, boom. Did that ever enter into your mind? It was just like, "This is something I have to get through to get to the next um, stage." Let's I'm just the do mo- it. mindset. I'm the most positive person. I wake up every single morning before I even take the covers out of the bed. I smile. <laughs> My eyes are closed. For anyone who's watching this, but that's what I do before I even come out of bed. Handsome. I smile. I turn over. And I just, and I literally it's the start to the this. day, yeah. Literally, I You're have the, the best time. life in the whole world. I really do. There's not a single person who has a better life than me. I couldn't be more blessed. So to come full circle with it, I finish up chemo. Everything's fine, but I wasn't, I couldn't work at that time. Okay. Just getting chemo and going to school and trying to juggle all that was enough for me. And um, I remember I had to borrow three hundred dollars from my parents to take my wife uh, to take my wife out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I never want to have to rely on someone for money. Wow. So that, and I was like, how do I build money coming in where I don't have to always work? That just was like, ca- that was the case, moment? Just in case maybe I'm sick again or just in case. Wow. So I think that was one of the reasons why I kind of got like obsessed with how do I start building passive income? Wow. So is that, so you're, 
you're an active investor, right? I'm an active. I don't flip houses. All I do is I do buy rentals. Yeah, and I think this is a super important point because I teach a class. I don't know if anyone out there has ever been to it. A bunch of people I know have real estate investing for realtors where I, I always tell people like realtors come to me all the time. I'm blessed to know thousands of realtors and they're like, I want to invest in real estate. And I think they should. I think real estate's the best vehicle out there, in my personal opinion. They're crazy if they don't. I mean, you, you have all the resources, you have the knowledge, you're in it all day, every day. But to flip houses as a realtor, like if you sell 50 houses a year, and you're going to be, and you want to flip houses as a realtor, you're going to sell 20. Yep. So yeah, you might make some money on that flip, but you're going to lose overall. Absolutely. Because you're going to be picking out tile at Home Depot mm -hmm. while you're supposed to be going on listing appointments or, or this dealing or with contractors. Exactly. Which which is a nightmare in itself. And just to speak about your business, handsome, your business is risky. Me selling 150 houses a year, besides maybe having a mental breakdown and exploding and heart <laughs> ripping out of my chest, it's not as risky as that. You have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions on the street at any given time. And, and it's, it, not, it's not mine. Most of it's not, not mine. He's borrowing it from everybody. So, and if the market shifts, yeah. I just have to speak to my homeowners and keep them up to date. Market shifts, guys, we have to lower our prices. Yeah. But market shifts for you, you might have just lost uh, $300,000. It's uh, it's it's a lot of pressure. It's it's not for the for the faint of heart. So have you heard of this? Uh, you, I'm sure you have. You've heard of Roger Bannister. No. Okay. And I hope I don't butcher his name. I'm I'm dyslexic, so it's so hard for me to keep names in my head. But Roger Bannister was the first person to break the four minute mile. Okay. Okay. So, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 For years and years, they said that the human yes. could not run a four minute mile. They said literally his heart would rip out of his chest. Um. And I always think about that because, yeah. you know, you were asking me offline, Brian, you did 141 houses in 2017, 2018, we're at 130 something right now. We'll probably be somewhere in that range. Uh, how do you do it? How do you do over a hundred houses a year? I think everybody wants to know. Well, they want to know, but I'm the model. I've broken it. So I'm the Roger Bannister, not in as good shape as him, but I'm the Roger Bannister. Brian Carp did it and it can be done. It you could, could sell over a hundred houses a year. There's nothing special about me. Once Roger did it, tons of people did tons it. Tons of people did it. Yes. Because in their mindset, handsome, they thought yeah. they couldn't do it. Yeah, it's limiting belief. Limiting belief. Limiting so belief. I I just said, oh no, I'm gonna do it. There's no reason I can't do a hundred. And then before I know the hundred hit 120, 130, 140, maybe even 150. So I mean I guess that's again, like people wanna know. Outside of obviously, you know, the intense work. How do you well, how do you do it? How do you how do you do this? I'm a salesman. So Brian Carp has never spent one dollar on advertising himself uh, through like a channel. Everything is being sold to these realtors. It's terrible. They I feel like so many businesses are preying on my on my people and selling them stuff. Okay. Zillow is trying to sell them ads. Realtor.com is trying to sell them ads. Guys, if I if, if I get in a car accident and I die after here, Zillow. Uh, killing me because I'm giving you the inside information. I don't spend any money on penny saver ads or uh, f um, farming a neighborhood. Okay. All I do is I prospect. Okay. So prospecting, and I've been doing it for 10 years, and now that I'm blessed and have such a great business, I can't prospect as much. But when I started this business, I got my real estate license, handsome. Okay. I drove a block away from my house. I parked my car. Okay. I got out of the car, and I knocked every house on that block, and I... Did that for three days straight. And I said, hi, I'm Brian Carp. I just got my real estate license. Do you know anyone who wants to sell a house? And I got my first listing from that. And I've continued to do things like that for the last 10 years straight. So, but you have, well, so there's a couple things I want to go with there. A, do you remember the feeling of going to that first house? Because I think a lot of people would say, 
like they have they have social anxiety. To go up to somebody's house and knock on a door is is almost painful Absolutely. for I would say ninety nine percent of people. So what it was is I I had a deal where there's these things in real estate called expires. Yeah, I think this is a, a, an amazing podcast because we're we're similar businesses, same language. So you understand my language, I understand your language, even though we don't play in each other's space. Mm-hmm. It's easy to speak to you, and you're able to pull out all the positive hand stuff. Hand. But Back in the day when the market wasn't great, there was these things called expires. They've all gone away because the market's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to someone's door in St. James many years ago, and I knocked, and I said, hi, I, I noticed your house came off the market. You know, uh, Are you thinking about reselling it? Long story short, she ended up giving Brian Carver a try. At that time, Brian sold maybe five or six homes. Okay. So she really had to go all in on me. I ended up selling her half a million dollar house. Nice. The people who bought it uh, hired me to sell their house in Northport. Nice. So that transaction was very profitable for me. So... Every time after that, and that was probably year two or three, every time that I felt that awkwardness, like maybe I shouldn't go to that door. I, I got it. I got it. I would that. think about that money. I would oh, think okay. about that money. And I said, wait, are you telling me that you're going to let $20,000 stop you from going to that door? The next door could be $20,000. Yeah. And then it's just been amazing because now I, I, I honestly believe, and I hope my clients believe this, that I am the best for them. Nobody knows the market better than me. Nobody is a better marketer than me. So I'm here to help them. I'm here to help them. So I think that's why I've never had that problem. And once I that my mindset shifted on that, yeah. that I'm here to help, and I, the next door could change my life. No, it, it makes sense. And and you're I mean you're helping these people because you are the best. You believe you're the best. No one's going to do a better job than you. I think you said you're a salesperson. I'm a salesperson as well. I was I was trained by a classically trained sales guy. I was trained by Tommy Hopkins and Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. sold Electrolux vacuum cleaners Absolutely. in the 70s, door yeah. to door. And you hear first, I fought it. I'm like, I don't want to be a salesman because it has a negative connotation. But it really, it really isn't, right? You're if you really believe in what you're doing, you're doing a good thing for people, and you're the best at what you do. You're you're helping thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to even help them get out of their own way because you know what's best for them because this is what you do all day, every day. Absolutely. And I am a salesman. And I will say it first. And I think the, some of the most successful people in the world are salesmen. I'm trying to teach my kids at a young age that there's nothing wrong with being a salesman. Uh, you could be making more than doctors, lawyers, all combined. And, and you'll always be able to feed your family handsome if you know how to sell. Do you get to the point where... Do you feel uncomfortable? I'm sure you feel uncomfortable because everybody does. It's just human nature. It's how you're hardwired. But do you get to the point where you're in that moment and you're like, now I have to do this because I feel uncomfortable because you want to constantly test and push yourself? I don't feel uncomfortable going to the door. I don't feel uncomfortable picking up the phone and speaking to someone I never spoke anymore. You never, I, you no, never I did? No, I did in the beginning. Okay. I did, yeah. but now I've built up. Yeah. Yeah. Callous. Callous. Yeah. We really need video cameras in here. We should, I be, we should be live on this. I got I to gotta develop this Absolutely. Into, uh, yeah, we're missing opportunities. No, that's issue because I'm. I get to the point where I feel like you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, yeah. right? And then when I get to the point where I feel uncomfortable, I'm like, oh, this is this is fresh because I'm in the same boat as you. I'm like, I'm 39 years old. We've been through this stuff. It just, you know, asking the tough questions of buyers or sellers that a lot of people won't will will do it. When I get to that point where I feel uncomfortable, something like, oh, this is like I haven't felt this in a while. Now I have to I have to do it. Yeah. Because in that moment, that's how you grow and become a better person. Absolutely. 100%. I'm just try- I'm trying to be the best Brian Carp every single day. So and and the thing that's cool about you is like you're very humble and you're you're a student of the game. Mm-hmm. Like you're always learning. You're always you know trying to get better at who you are. Yeah. Right. Which I think a lot of a lot of people reach a certain level of success and then they're content. <sighs> I think that's when you basically die. Like Absolutely. you're either growing or you're dying. Absolutely. That's it. Either we're moving forward or we're moving backwards. 
what is kind of your take on, so you were, you started out very grassroots, like a door to door kind of like uh, door knocking kind of thing. And then now obviously social media is the rage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see you do a lot of social media stuff. What's, what's your take on kind of meshing the two together? Do you go more one than the other? Just your overall kind sure. of marketing. So from strategy. the beginning, from the beginning, I've been very much uh, brand brand. Everything's about the brand. Brian Carp is the brand. So Brian Carp isn't this over the top, um, like big head guy, but marketing, Brian Carp is the brand. So my face is on everything. My face is on my car. My face is on my truck. Every one of my signs are biggest, my face everywhere. I even have signs over my signs. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a marketer. Uh, and that's really what I am. There's no separation between Brian Carp, the powerhouse agent, and Brian Carp, the dad. No, that's it. Brian Carp is, that Brian Carp is, is coaching his kids flag football. They see my face handsome. 24-7. They see my face handsome, and they're like, oh, that's Brian Carp, the realtor. Someone yeah. says, Brian, you know, we're thinking of selling next year. Cool. Great. I'm here. I love you. Whatever you need, I'm there. Yeah. So it's there's no other there's no other cars in my driveway except my rap cars. So anywhere <laughs> I'm going, I, I'm all in on this. And I think that kind of relates. You hit on an interesting point where people are like, where does he get the listings from? And I, I think what you just said is perfect. Like, they come from everywhere. 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 Like, if everybody out there knows what you're doing and trying to accomplish, and then you're trying to find out from them what they are going to accomplish, you can help them selflessly. I think it just builds this crazy momentum. Absolutely. It's a snowball going down a mountain. But I've yeah. been very big, and, and we spoke about this offline a little bit, I'm playing the long game. Yeah. So everything I'm doing, I, I'm five years ago, I was planning what I'm doing now. Yeah. So every, every move, every decision me and Jessica make, business-wise, rental portfolio-wise, was for the long game. So there was no quick cash. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't the right thing to do, we said no. We always wanted to do the right thing. And to me, I'm, I'm building a brand around myself. And one day, if I decide to step away from real estate, and I kind of see this in your business, the Brian, I could run a different business through my machine. Yeah. So I already have the Brian Cart machine. We're a media company. That's yeah. what we're doing. We're putting yeah. out content yes. multiple times a week, yeah. real estate content, Brian Cart brand content. And then if we decide one day to open up an insurance agency, they'll know it. Oh, Brian's behind it. It's got to be one of the best, most aggressive, high-octane, high-protein, super-aggressive insurance agencies. We run <laughs> it through the machine. Yeah. And then there's all these amazing people who love us already to help. So to me, it was always building the, yeah. the brand, the machine. I think people have to understand that every business is basically the same. So once you like understand the, the methodology behind what business structure is and how to run a business, it doesn't matter what it is. Selling real estate, flipping houses, widgets, insurance, whatever. It's You just replicate it over and over and over again. Uh, a big thing I want to talk about you, which we touched on uh, offline, is you selling 141 houses. Time management. Yeah. This is something that I think everyone struggles with. I struggle with myself. Being like ADHD to the max, like I have a very hard time focusing on things. That's That's my struggle. And I always have to like reel myself in, but to do the kind of volume that you do or other agents want to do, like every, every second has to count. hundred percent, hundred percent. This podcast worked because it was a Friday heading into Christmas. I was able to block out an hour and a half to two hours to chat with you. I will probably go way over what I blocked for this and the rest of my day will be, need to be moved, but I'm not walking into a day and it wasn't planned already. Yeah. Like that's what you have to understand. My Monday morning is already, everything is planned. The night before or days ahead of time. Do you have do you have staff that helps you with that? Or I that's do. Yeah, thing? don't think Brian Carp is, is slinging 150 houses on his own. Um, I have amazing admin. I have amazing staff behind the scenes mm-hmm. to make everything because I am. I'm not the. I'll tell you what I'm the best at: selling houses and knowing the market and marketing. Yeah. But I'm not the best writer. I am not the best at a lot of things. So communicator. A lot of my. E- if you ever get an email or text message from me, just know that I've used Siri. 
I've never written, written, I've never written an email in my life. So if I'm writing an important email, it's being dictated to one of my staff. So to me, it's, I have amazing people behind me that allow me to run this business. So let's, let's talk about scaling. And I think this is, I mean, I, I have struggled with it. I struggle it every day. Uh, I'm sure you have probably continue. When you get to a certain point, you realize there's only 24 hours in a day. You have to, to scale, you need to hire, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, what's the right time to hire? Who do you hire? How many people do you hire? Do you continue to hire? It's, there's no rule book for this kind of stuff. You, just, you have to just do it. Your first hire is the best thing you could ever do. Okay. You just, yeah, as a real estate agent, broker, we have to be using our time wisely. And our time is bringing you more business. Yes. That's what you need to be doing. You, you have to look at this as a business. Yeah. As a business. So to me, if I, if I can bring in non-licensed people to do other stuff that um, isn't as dollar productive as me going, bringing in new clients or helping marketing the houses I have on the market or putting deals together, that's the way to do it. So... First hire. I have two full time. I have two full time admin. I even have someone who works for me just to do errands, drop off the dry cleaning, put up the the, uh, the uh, f- blow ups in front of my house. It's wow. not that I don't want to do it. I just want to. I want to be super amazing in my family life. It's not the highest and best use of your time. I want to be super amazing in my real estate life. Yeah. So to me, anything I could delegate will free up more time. I delegated a lot. Right now, this is this this. Meeting with us is costing me money because I have staff doing this, doing this, things that I could have been doing, but I felt like this was better for me and you to meet. No, absolutely. And I appreciate that. How do you, I think people's big disconnect is like, how do you know when the right time to hire is? Right? How, for you personally, and everyone's different, how did you know, okay, I got to bring on the first person? Then you're like, this ain't, I need a second person. If you're doing 10 houses a year, you should be bringing someone on. You should not be doing any of the admin work. You need to be spending that time bringing more business in. However you feel is necessary to bring that business in. Me, I feel handsome. If you miss a gym workout, I know you box. I know you're into MMA. If you miss that, you feel you're upset with yourself. You feel depressed. If I don't prospect, I feel that way. Are you still, when you say prospect, are you still going door to door? Are you still knocking on I don't. Ha- I don't have as much time as I used to. Or is it more of like a social media based? No, thing? it's, it's. I'm, I'm still trying to do that as much time as I have. I love that. Like, I love panning for gold. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love panning for gold. That's really what it is. I, I love it. I wish I had more time to, to do it. And, and I feel naked uh, if I'm not doing it. So as much, if, I, if I have a free hour in my day that isn't blocked, I said, great, let me follow up with uh, some for sale by owners in the neighborhood. Let me follow up with some canceled in the neighborhood. Huh. One of my favorite things to do is it, uh, it gets dark now around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and they don't want to see bald Brian Carp coming to your door in a full suit. So what I'll do is if I sell a house, there's a program. I'm going to tell everyone this. There's a program called Mojo. Okay. okay? It's a dialing system. It allows you to put a pin on the house you okay. just sold and draw a circle straight around it, and it scoops up all the phone numbers. Okay? Really? Then, then what it does is it, the computer dials three lines at one time. Until somebody picks up. It's one of my favorite things to do. Okay. And I just call the neighbors and just say, hi, I'm Brian Carp with Remax. I just sold your neighbor's house. Are you thinking of selling? It's like one of my favorite things to do. Wow. And for a lot of people, again, that would be emotionally painful for them because they're afraid of someone rejecting them yeah. or not wanting to talk to them. And it, and it happens. And 10 years ago, Handsome, it was very, it was very hard to do a lot of that stuff. Because they would slam the doors. They didn't know who I was. Now I'm so blessed. I call someone. Hey, Brian, we see your signs everywhere. We're not selling for another year or two, but we'll call you. And I bet they will. Yeah, and which is great. And then I love not, when when it's spring and summer, and I have like two hours. I throw my boat shoes on and my summer suit on, and I'll just knock all the doors in the neighborhood. 
and introduce myself to people. Hey, Brian, we're thinking in two years. Oh, you sold my aunt's house. Like, it's the most unbelievable thing. Uh, but it's the name face recognition that I was able to build with the brand. And you're planting the seed today for the for the deal that's going to happen in two years from now. We're playing. We're playing years out. I th- I want to talk about two two quick things that that realtors kind of need to know that I think will blow everybody's mind. A, I guess kind of two things together and then one separate. A, you have a certain mindset about scarcity mentality versus abundance. Mm-hmm. And you work in a certain area. And if you are not the best person for that particular asset class, price point, demographic, you'll refer it out. It could be a $40,000 commission. You're sending it to somebody else Absolutely. because you feel... You're not the best person in that market, and you know you have so much coming in that you have no problem with that. Yeah, so I, I live in an abundance mindset. Uh, I live in such an abundance mindset that I literally think it's raining money out there. It's raining money for anyone in the real estate business. It's, it is. We live in the best country, the best world. Like It's so unbelievable. The best time, the power of this phone is incredible. Don't tell me how many text messages you get. I get nauseous. I just picked my phone up and had some sort. Um, but we live in such an abundance mindset. So I don't feel that like if, if a, another agent gets a listing in my neighborhood or in Suffolk County, I don't feel that they're taking it away from me. There's so much out there. You have to live in that and just know that the phone's always going to ring. There's always going to be someone else who needs your help. And this year, I've referred away probably almost $10 million worth of business. It's because it was stuff that I wasn't the guru in. You know, I'm the best in a certain class. I don't do commercial real estate. I refer it away. But a lot of times we're like, Brian, we know you. We love you. We trust you. Can you vet and find us the best broker for that? And I do all the time. So. I just referred something away in Queens, and I do do some Queens. I sold a two, uh, a one point five million dollar two family because literally they had cash buyers lined up for it, and they called me in just to make sure the deal went right. Wow! And once I put it on the market, I ended up putting two hundred thousand dollars more in their pocket. Wow! Like if I handsome, if I can't bring value, you don't need, need me. Yeah. Like if I speak to a four by owner or I speak to someone else, if I don't think that after my commission I can still net you more money or get you safely through this transaction, there's no need for me. They brought me in because uh, someone that I do a ton of business with said, you really need Brian on your side. Like I'm like the lawyer. I'm like the, the person you want the structured deal. They wanted me to vet the buyer. And when it was all said and done, even after the commission, they put an extra few hundred grand in my po- in their pocket. No, that's it's huge. crazy. I'm curious to know, take take everybody through a day in the life of, of, of Brian Carp. Like what you're up at 345. And, and what so happens? Monday, Mondays, my busiest days, Mondays are my busiest days because we're recovering from the weekend. That was all of these showings that happened over the weekend, yeah. but Monday, you're, you're seven days a week, basically. seven days a week. Yeah. Absolutely. I try to, me and my wife are always go. I'm very scheduled, like back to the mafia. Um, it, it used to, it, you, you know, it used to be Tuesday and Thursday nights. I would book out late. So if you want to meet with me, handsome five, seven, nine o'clock at night, it's either Tuesday and Thursday nights. Now it's kind of moved in where it's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, I'm, uh, listen, I'm trying to be the best father and husband, but this business is just pulling me. You know, it just pulls you at everything. And there, my family, I have the best wife in the world because she allows me to do this and she sees the vision of what it is. But the, the normal day is, is up 345, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's office work for two hours, like preparing the day, preparing my staff, preparing all my appointments that I'm going on. Like it's not 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning and I think what I'm going to do for the day. Like the day is already planned. Yeah. And then it's going on listing appointments, going on listing appointments, negotiating offers, making sure that the marketing is right and coming up with different inventive plans to market homes. Jesus. Yeah, I think and again, that's something I struggle with, but I think if you're if you're going to get to a certain point it, it, it has to be planned. 
Like, otherwise, the day just slips by. I'm sure people have sat there like, I want to be productive today. They don't write it down. They don't plan it. All of a sudden, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They haven't gotten anything done. Yeah, that's time to go home. Or, th- or yeah. this pops up in the day. Like, a- anything that's popping up during the day is not, unless it's a fire that needs to be put out, we're, we're staying on task. Hmm. So what's, I'm kind of curious to know, what's, like you always say, I'm planning today for three years from now, for five years from now, right? We always, we talked about before how what you and I do on this level is, it, it's a burnout job. Like, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to buy 100 houses a year. It's not sustainable to sell 150, 200 houses a year. Where's, where does Brian Carp go two years from now, three years from now, five years from now? Sure. Because so, you're, you're very, you're, everyone doesn't know he, he's 35. You're a very young guy. Thank you. So there's, there's a lot of life there and there's a lot of energy and you're always going to have to channel it to something. I know you're like, oh, I just want to have rentals and retire. I, I don't think you'll ever retire. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Personally. But, but I don't plan to be selling 150 houses a year. Yeah. I think the, the vision, and I'm a huge vision person. I'm a, I'm a huge person of putting it out there. Like literally, I, I, I not this podcast, but I literally pictured to be sitting here, not here, but in the suit, selling 100 houses a year building this rental portfolio, this yeah. amazing family, this amazing wife. Like I pictured this 10 years ago. Yeah. So uh, I picture myself being on the football field, coaching Brody and Brock's high school football team, helping out with it or some of their sports, and a, and a father walk up to me and says, do you work? Do you have a job? Like You're here all the time. Like How do you do this? And I'll, I'll turn to him and say, I used to work. Like that's my goal is to be able to really put more time and love into my family uh, once I, I, I finish this. But I have to finish this. And handsome, I'm there. I can taste it. I can taste it. I think the uh, – I will close it out on this because I know Brian's a very busy guy. But I think what that message from that is this. You, you essentially have to be willing to sacrifice who you are today for who you'll become in the future. Absolutely. And, and for you to break your ass for a 10-year period, yeah, do you want to be around for the kids – more, yes. But in order for you to do that, there has to be a sacrifice for a certain period of time. So if you sacrifice for 10 years, you have the next 50 to 60 years. Yeah. And, and we're doing it now for tomorrow. That's what we're doing. My wife always says tomorrow isn't guaranteed, but I'm playing for tomorrow. And we're loving it. Like, this is my addiction. Real yeah. estate is literally going through my like, blood. Like, you're having a good time. You don't wake up every – you wake up every day, smile, excited to go out. And help people sell their houses and help people buy Ooh, houses. Football helmets, shoulder pads on, time to play. Ready to go. Ready to go. And we're playing for the Olympics. Yeah, we're, we're not playing We're JV. going for the gold. We're going for the gold. There's, That's yeah, it. There's no second place trophies. <laughs> there's no second place trophies. And I'll leave you with this. I I, I put my I try to put my kids to bed as many nights as possible. When they were little, uh, I used to tell them three things. Three things before I tuck them in at night. And now they can almost repeat them. Like It's almost like a Pavlov dogs. Yeah. Like they, they almost repeat them. So I ask them three questions. What do we never do? And they say right away, never give up. How do we make money? They say hard work. And the other one is, what do we do when we fall down? And they say, get right back up. Now, at five and six, they're now starting to understand what they mean. But yeah. I was teaching them that at two and two and three, where That's it was just Pavlov. You know, it was just like, I said it to them, they repeated it back. I said it to them, they repeated it back. So I think it's the warrior men mindset that I'm, uh, we're trying to do here. Uh, I, I couldn't say it better myself. How do people, if, if you're looking to sell a house... How do they get in touch with you? Sure. So cell phone, Brian Carp. Uh, well, Instagram is Brian Carp LI. Cell phone is 516-384-0571. Email is brian at soldbybrian.com. And Brian is with a Y. Perfect. Again, I'm Charles, the handsome home buyer. Once again, you have a house that smells like cat pee. You know I want it. If you have commercial property, if you have land for development, if you have anything real estate related that you want to sell, I'm the guy, 516 
777 sold. If you have a permit problem, think you might have a permit problem, or know somebody that has a permit problem, Captain Permit, call the captain, 516 513 8838. Thank you guys. We're out.